endocannabinoid system, an endomine, endocannabinoid deficiency, THC, CBG, cannabis, the bliss molecule. The American Journal of Endocannabinoid Medicine welcomes you to AGEM Live, a podcast for physicians and healthcare professionals. Can you talk about some of the research out there and how it's conducted regarding exploring the effects of CBD? Was this the first clinical trial anywhere to explore the relationship between cannabis and autism? Can you talk a little bit about what your experience was when you were working with those patients and trying to find decent or adequate treatment options for them and what your limitations might have been? On today's episode, the content that we're delivering to doctors that have never seen this content can be jarring enough. Let's put it in a in a, in a vehicle that they're comfortable in and that they've used over the years and that they trust, right? So I just thought, you know, a traditional medical journal probably would help to catapult the industry forward. Hello, this is Agent Live, where we interview physicians on the front lines of endocannabinoid medicine and the scientists behind the industry's top research trials. I'm Meg Black-Roloff, Agent Senior Managing Editor. Hi, I'm Dr. Leslie Apgar, AGEM's Editor-in-Chief. Hi, my name is Kenny Watkins. I'm the Brand Director for AGEM. And today we're going to get to know each other a little bit and talk about what got us into cannabis medicine in the first place. Meg, why don't you give it a start? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, I first started off um, working in research, actually. So I worked on several research studies at Columbia University in pediatric HIV And so I really got kind of like a deep understanding for like how research studies are designed, how to interview study participants, all of the things that go into research. And while I was there, I was also going to school to get my master's at Columbia and the Malman School of Public Health. And a professor that I had noticed my writing and suggested I go into health journalism and a sort of light went off in my head. I had one of those like aha moments. And I immediately started applying to medical publishing jobs after college. And I landed one in New York City. And um, I worked, you know, a lot of the um, big medical meetings. I covered them for a a monthly news magazine for doctors. And then I slowly started migrating over to the custom side of things because I really sort of always had um, my eye on design. And I liked not only creating beautiful things to read, but to look at as well. And so the custom space really kind of interests, intrigued me. And then um, that's pretty much when I met Ken Watkins. So I was, he was one of my first clients that I did freelance work for, and he was publishing single sponsored publication called Mm -hmm. Essential Reading. And I worked on a ton of those. And um, that was started in 2012, all the way to, I guess, 2019. Yeah. And then Kenny had the brilliant idea of starting a cannabis publication. Oh my gosh, I have to hear the story. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, I, it was really not something I ever had thought of. Yeah, that was the reaction of most people when I shared with the, the idea with them. You're starting, a, or as, as people say, you're so, so you're starting a weed journal. No, exactly. we're not starting a weed journal. We're starting a journal, not even on cannabis, but on the endocannabinoid system as a, as a biological target, right? So... To take a step back, the, the, we launched the journal in uh, in 2019, at the end of 2019. And prior to that, I've had uh, a career in, in, in medical publications that spans about 20 years. And I've worked for the American College of Physicians. I've represented the British Medical Association, uh, for-profits, not-profits, med-ed. I've, I've kind of done it all. And, you know, I started to really notice around 2017, 2018, 
the way medical journals particularly were, were handling the uh, the topic of medical cannabis. And we're not handling we're it. We're not handling right? it, as it were. And, and I had known uh, a couple of people that personally that were helped incredibly uh, by, by medical cannabis after you know, pharmaceuticals didn't work. You right. know, they, they transitioned over to medical cannabis and it's incredibly helpful. Now those stories are out there. Athletes and actors and celebrities are all telling their personal stories about how in some cases the pharmaceutical didn't work. So they transitioned over to cannabis or psilocybin or something, you know, alternative or more natural. And it, and it did work and, and it was sustainable. And I always thought like, wow, you know, why aren't more doctors using you know, cannabis and, and, and some of the other plant-based medicines that were proving to be effective with certain conditions and, and, and therapeutic categories. And I took a look at the research and I started having conversations with doctors and the two things weren't matching up because the doctors were saying, well, there's no research on medical cannabis and you could do a PubMed search and find out there's tons of, of peer reviewed research on medical cannabis and other plant-based medicines that engage and interact with the endocannabinoid system. So right off the bat, I was like, well, there's a disconnect here. Doctors think there's no research and there's tons of research. It's probably the most studied medicine in the history of medicine, right? Um, and I thought the only thing or one of the things that might help legitimize cannabis as medicine is to have a dedicated medical journal in in the style of the traditional medical, the JAMAs and the New England. So, you know, the content that we're delivering to doctors that have never seen this content can be jarring enough. Let's put it in a, in a, in a vehicle that they're comfortable in and, and that they're and that they've used over the years and that they trust, right? So I just thought, you know, a traditional medical journal probably would help to catapult the industry forward because doctors would then take it seriously. So this has really been your passion project, wouldn't you say, Kenny? Yeah, I would say so. So you guys went through a lot of drama in <laughs> early days. I mean, can we call it drama? Uh, yeah. I mean, let's talk you about COVID, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, we launched and, and like a lot of other startups, we launched the end of 2019 at this like beautiful meeting at Columbia <laughs> University thinking like everyone had such like high hopes and excitement and then COVID came and yeah. <laughs> um, it was really difficult. You know, we were, we had momentum for a while and then we were sort of struggling with funding. Paper costs a ton to print. If you could on. find well, it, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was difficult. It was so we launched at the as Meg said at the end of two thousand nine into the teeth of COVID, right? Because I think mm -hmm. COVID hit March of uh, of twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea of having a conversation with anybody and uh, about you know marketing or advertising or even research and science and and manuscripts and study. No was having those conversations in the middle of 2020. So a lot of the things, all of the things, and we had a, a number of them that we had planned for ourselves, just never, everything got canceled. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't just with us, that's across the board, right? Yeah. Across the world. Um, and we struggled, you know, we, we, we struggled, but we, we did manage to, you know, keeping our eye on that North Star of, of, of science and research having to do with the endocannabinoid system and how important it was, we continued to put out issues. And, you know, we were approached by a couple different companies that either wanted to buy us or acquire us or, or work with us in, in, in some manner, shape or form. Um, but, you know, I had been familiar with, with, with Haymarket Media because I had been in the industry for so long and I always respected them as being, you know, the finest medical publisher in the industry. And after our first conversation, and I looked at the different therapeutic categories that Haymarket already resided in and, and the infrastructure and, and the shared services, but most importantly, the trust that physicians have for Haymarket content, I felt 
yeah, this is definitely the place where Asian should be and could flourish. I mean, you have elevated this in every single way. I mean, I know we're all doing things that we never did before. We've gone from now a printable printed version to a complete digital platform, which has an incredible Amazing. amount of complexity, yeah. right? But it also then has an incredible amount of opportunity. And tell us a little bit, Kenny, about how this has changed physicians and other healthcare providers' ability to see and read and hear the data that exists. Yeah. So in the past, you know, we we printed and mailed out almost 50,000 copies. And to be honest, we we hoped they, they got into the right hands. And we hoped that the information that we were publishing was impactful and, and might change some minds and help some patients ultimately, which is what we want to do. The format or the platform that we have now is so large. I mean, we have access to over a million and a half clinicians, all who have opted in to receive Haymarket content. We also have different mediums available to us that we never had before, podcasts and video. Um, we never had that before. And these are all preferred ways of communication. Doctors don't have necessarily the time to read an 11-page article in, in mouse print, but they might have the time to listen to a 10-minute podcast, right. you know, on their way to work. So putting the content in different forms and allowing that conversation to flourish is one of the biggest advantages of, of coming to Haymarket. Yeah, I think for me, one of the things I told you both very early on is that I know I probably have ADD and I'll be the first to admit it, but I have never read traditional journal cover to cover before. And I do that with every issue that comes out and it is absolutely fascinating content. And it's so nice to see that it's legitimate and that we have peer reviewed articles and we have things that have been vetted by industry professionals. And it's just, it's so refreshing to have actual credible information on the endocannabinoid system delivered right to my email. Exactly. And, and just to tell everyone how we connected with Dr. Apgar. So I think it was, we had put out one issue and we were looking for, you know, really working hard to find cannabis practitioners across the country and around the world who, you know, cause there weren't a lot of them really right. at the time. And I happened to be watching the Today Show on NBC and I saw Dr. Apgar giving a whole talk on medical cannabis specifically for women and how the industry has not really catered and sort of left that group of people out. And so I just was like fascinated by the talk and I told Kenny and I cold called you and was like, <laughs> can we please work with you? And you couldn't have been nicer and you did an article with us and then the relationship just kind of grew from there. Yeah, it's been a wild ride for sure. My background for any of you who may not know, I'm a board certified OBGYN or I guess I'm reformed and retired from that now. <laughs> and uh, I uh, have a medical spa that I opened up in 2007 because I really wanted to create a holistic healthcare kind of a situation and really have like a wellness situation. And it's kind of medicine I've always wanted to practice. I think traditional medicine was missing a lot of pieces that I think are so important for overall health of patients. And then my best friend, Gina, and I had the opportunity to bid for a dispensary in Maryland. And then we won. We're like, oh my God, now what do we do? <laughs> I mean, it was like terrifying. And I, I think we both sort of threw caution to the wind and, and leaned in. And it has been incredibly rewarding. We, that license that we won then led to other licenses in other states. And now we're actually vertically integrated in the state of Maryland. And we wrote a book and we, that included 
actually appearing on the Today Show, which was hilarious and amazing and fun. <laughs> and um, it's just been really fun. Um, it's been impactful. And I say this in the book also, I say that it's the most impactful medicine I've ever practiced because I will get patients from all walks of life who come in. Some of them are suicidal. They can't imagine another day on the planet in the kind of pain that they've been in, um, whether it's psychic pain or it's physical suffering. I have patients who are on death's door riddled with cancer or any number of chronic medical illnesses and traditional medicine has failed them. And we see with our own eyes, patients getting better, patients losing their wheelchair, losing their walker, walking in of their own accord, their eyes becoming brighter. Now, now they're off their opioids. Now they're off their benzos. Now they're able to sleep at night. When you can give a patient their sleep back, you give them their life back. Huge, mm-hmm. huge. It's just like, it's life changing. And so it's been an incredibly weird and wild ride. And I am incredibly excited to see what the future brings here at AGEM and with Haymarket. 100%. And I don't think any of us thought, you know, back in the day that I never thought of cannabis as medicine ever. I uh-uh. thought it was a recreational drug, yeah. you know, that was used in college and like, of course. and you know, the fact that we're all sitting here now and we're reaching physicians and you know, you're out there every day, Dr. Apgar, educating physicians. Um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, yeah. You bring up a good point, though. I think a lot of people that think they're using cannabis recreationally may be actually using I it medically. This, yep. this is what I say all the time. I love it. <laughs> yes. You just have to actually ask the question. And I have a case in point where we had a guy who came in and, and was the typical stoner. Like he just looked the part and he, he wanted to get whatever had the highest amount of THC in it. And so, you know, in medical school, they teach you, you know, don't judge people. You don't judge a book by its cover and try not to have like preconceived ideas about things. But clearly the first thing going off in my head was (laughs) this guy is a stoner and he just wants to get high. And so I asked him three different times what he was looking for or how could I help if it, if you told me what symptoms you're dealing with, it would, it would maybe help me pick the correct product for you. And finally he got really exasperated with me and he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and he said, fine, I was in a rock. Okay. And he had tears in his eyes and like we had broken through this barrier. So I was like, well, I know what you have. You have PTSD. Let's deal with that. And I can guarantee you that the highest THC product out here is not what you need. It's going to make your anxiety and paranoia through the roof. Let's look at something that's more balanced. Let's have a conversation. Let's actually do some health and healing here instead of just giving somebody the highest THC, but he never knew. He, nobody had ever taken the time. Nobody had ever trained him and nobody's ever trained anybody out there really, right? So that's why we're here, hopefully, as part of this effort to educate everybody yeah. from the patients to the community to the healthcare practitioners. But it was really another one of those defining moments where you realize that people are coming in and buying, quote, recreational, quote, cannabis, but they're probably treating something. Right. Right. You know, and I, I noticed that, you know, prior to, to, to launching, um, people who themselves consider themselves just to be, you know, I'm just partying. You're no, you're not, you know, you, you, you got home from work and instead of reaching for a Xanax, you or bourbon or a bourbon, right. You did a tincture and to you, 
it had the same effect, mm-hmm. but it to your body was much more beneficial. It was way safer. And a lot safer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think when you start to take a look at those folks that think they're using recreationally, but really they're using medically, wow. You know, now all of a sudden, the, you know, your medical cannabis group has quadrupled in size. Right. So I know we really have our work cut out for us. We do. We really yes. do. We have a lot of stigma to unwind and we have a lot of minds to change and we have to really get the science out there supporting, you know, we have to really get the science supporting us and we have to have really good trials out there. And, you know, I'm just, I'm very excited to see what we can do. I know me speaking for myself, I'm very stubborn, you know, right. Like, I'm going to keep at this until, yeah. until well, we get it right. Let's talk a little bit about like the challenges and the opportunities that we're seeing you know, in terms of what's out there in the research. Like, so if I were to start, I would say that I see so much potential for cannabinoid-based therapy to treat and actually, you know, really think of it more like promoting your health and preventing things instead of, you know, treating things when they're so far down the line. Um, but then I also see, you know, it's, it's challenging right now because of the schedule one and because of all the barriers and the stigma, like we haven't had... The research, the research is not at the level that I was used to, say, when I was working in strictly medical publishing. And so, you know, it will get there. But for now, I feel like, you know, even negative findings are beneficial because it it tells you that, you know, no, that that didn't work. And let's try something else. Mm -hmm. I think for me, if I could pick one thing, I would say if I could have one wish, I would really like to have safe banking, because if we had safe banking, then it would open a lot of doors for everybody who's skittish around this whole industry. And I just feel like it's one of the most important rate limiting steps to have excellent quality and to have excellent partners and investors and people who want to do the good research. And, you know, it just, it's, it's incredibly tiresome. We say every day it's the hardest industry we've ever been in and worked in and, and it's, it's very difficult to be on the front lines in a cannabis world and, and try and do the right thing with all of the regulations and with all the taxes and all the fees that are enacted. People think that, well, you know, you're in the cannabis industry, you must be rolling in it. And it's like, you just have no idea how awful and hard it is to work in this industry. You're trying to do the right thing for the patients every step along the way. And it seems like the universe is kind of conspiring against you. So I think little by little, we're chipping away at that and we're leading by example. And for us, I think the three of us sitting right here today, we're, we have a lot of creativity and a lot of imagination. I know Kenny's kind of like the, the man behind the curtain, you know, like (laughs) the the wizard. wizard. wizard, (laughs) I do. And I really appreciate you coming out here with us today, Kenny, and sharing a little about about your history (laughs) and and all that, because I know it's not your favorite thing. You you prefer to be behind the curtain, but um, we we give you a lot of credibility and a lot of credit, I should say, um, for keeping your eye on the prize. Right. Your, Your passion project has resulted in a tremendous opportunity for not only me and Meg, but for 
the rest of the universe as well. Yeah, I think the real opportunities with the patient, right? The patient that's getting help, the patient that wasn't finding relief through pharmaceuticals, who now has an option. And now have people like yourself to actually be able to talk to in a medical sense about dosing, about drug-drug interactions. I mean, the fastest growing group of folks engaging with cannabis for the first time, as you know, is the elderly. Right. These are also- 100%. And they're also the- the group that are on the most exactly. amount of different medications. Oh, the worst. Mm-hmm. So that opportunity for drug-drug interactions is here with this group. Mm-hmm. They absolutely need somebody to take yeah. them by the hand and mm-hmm. say like, okay, let's take a look at your medications. You're on, well, oh, you're on blood thinners? Yeah, maybe cannabis might not be well, such a good idea. stay away from the high dose. Mm-hmm. Right. THC, and yeah. reducing polypharmacy. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. So Kenny, what are the barriers that you found in the cannabis publication world as opposed to life before HM. Like, have you noticed anything specific? I, I noticed barriers coming down oh, you know, good. more than, and, and I'll, I'll tell you a couple of things that, that made me hopeful. Number one, during COVID, cannabis was recognized as an essential as business. As an essential business, it sure was. And I found that curious and encouraging at the I same time. That. Me that's, too. That's a yeah. that's an absolute. I had totally forgotten that. But yes, we were on the front line. <laughs> yes, I mean, who, who knows better than you? Yes, I totally like, forgot. What about was it. that like during COVID running that a dispensary? Was surreal. It was absolutely surreal. Curbside um, pickup. Curbside. Yeah, we pivoted <laughs> to curbside pickup, which is so good and so happy, and everybody loves it. Um, yeah, but you have to be creative when adversity hits, yeah. right? Like you either have to pivot or die and and thank God I have such an amazing partner in Gina that she has that brain that she can pivot on a dime. But I love that you bring that up, Kenny. COVID was an opportunity, I guess, in some ways, you know, um, because it clearly did put cannabis on the forefront. <laughs> I mean, I think there were riots in California when they were going to make yeah. it essential. <laughs> and it, it also, it, you know, everyone was kind of locked down and right. everyone was locked down with whatever condition they had. Exactly. And there was this distrust, I think, that was starting to foment against the pharmaceutical industry because of the vaccinations. Right. And I think this perfect storm kind of came together where I'm locked down. I don't necessarily trust the pharmaceutical industry. I love weed. Let me see what cannabis can do for my health condition now. So they started taking a look at, I think the patients started taking a look at it in a slightly different way. And that changed a lot Mm -hmm. of attitudes. Yeah, that's such a good point. Because I feel like in my mind, I really feel like the patients are sort of driving. Absolutely. This. Oh, 100%. Right. They, they're 100%. going to their doctor and they're saying like, listen, like, you know, I know I'm on all these medicines, but I want to try cannabis. What do you know? And the doctor, a lot of doctors don't know, don't know anything. And it's unfair and so then the, to the doctor feel, in a lot of cases. I mean, I don't know if I was a physician, I would probably feel like I wouldn't like to not know what a patient is asking. And that's it would make exactly you feel sort of anxious. It. That's exactly like, it, yeah. Meg. I love that you said that because yeah. that is exactly the thing. We don't like to appear stupid and yeah. clearly we want to help people, right? And it's such a weird disconnect that somebody's asking a question about a plant that's been around for 50 million years or whatever. <laughs> and uh, shouldn't we know a little bit about something that right. is almost ubiquitously used right. throughout the globe? Mm-hmm. It's a little embarrassing, it right? Is. And you feel inadequate as a, as a caregiver to, you know, like how, I don't know what mm-hmm. to say. And it's wonderful to have a little bit of information, even if you don't know a lot if you can give a patient some information and direct them toward other resources, you feel like you've done your job. Mm-hmm. Like a physician is not supposed to know everything about everything, but they should know a little bit 
or enough to refer to those that do. 100%. Exactly. And you're right, Meg. It is a, a patient-driven revolution, if you, if you will. Is, you know, yeah. the doctor. The I mean, pa- they know more than the doctors. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And that's turned that? that doctor-patient relationship on its, on its head, right? I can't tell you the number of times I tell my patients, I said, you're going to have to go back to your doc and you're going to have to educate them and you're going to have to tell them <laughs> that they need to go and learn about this, that, and the other thing because I learned from my patients all the time. You know, because learning goes both ways. Sure. And I yeah. think that's, it's really fun when you have that kind of a relationship with your patients. And the patient's home just studying their yeah. condition oh every gosh. day, you know. And mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of unfair, right? So the patient comes in loaded up with all this, you know, medical cannabis information yeah. in accordance to their particular and specific condition. And they can't wait to have this conversation with the doctor who's completely unprepared to have it. Yeah. So it sets up a weird dichotomy between the, the doctor and the patient. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's pretty fantastic that we can create and support a resource, a host of resources to help the healthcare providers get a little bit smarter, right? Bridging that gap. We are. Love it. Um, I really appreciate the two of you bringing me on. This has been really fun. (laughs) It's been great. We're we're so excited to have you on board, uh, Leslie. And we have an opportunity to really change things. And that's what's exciting to me. Yeah. I agree. Couldn't agree more. And um, I wouldn't want to do this with anyone else. So thank you guys. Love it. So if you haven't registered or subscribed to Ageum yet, please do. You're helping to bridge the education gap by bringing peer reviewed research and scientific evidence from around the world directly to physicians inboxes. And please visit us at ajendomed.com. Thank you for listening to Agem Live. Visit us online at endocannabinoidmedicine.com.